0: If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day.
1: It's about starting where you are with the smallest viable audience, with the smallest unit of contribution that you can make. Find a piece of possibility and then repeat and repeat, make promises slightly bigger each time and show up.
2: I believe that the opposite of depression
0: Thanks to Skillshare for supporting. Don't keep your day job. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare a Premium membership for free at Skillshare.com/dreamjob2. Also, thanks to ShipStation. No matter where you're selling, ShipStation makes managing all your orders really easy. Get this year off to a great start at ShipStation.com. Use my offer code DreamJob to get a sixty-day free trial. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I posted this yesterday on Instagram and I want to repeat it to you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're sitting on some serious talent that could heal others and yourself in the process. Hone it, master it, and share it. The truth is, as Evan Carmichael said when he was here, that every single person has Michael Jordan level talent at something. But what most of us are missing is momentum because we don't take action. We're afraid of being messy. We're afraid we're going to make a fool of ourselves. We don't give ourselves the grace to be mediocre at anything on our way to becoming brilliant. We don't give ourselves permission to even begin because we compare ourselves to others and decide there's no need for what we have to offer because there are already better people for the job. That is so ridiculous because God does not make extras. Every one of us has something beautiful to add or else we wouldn't be here. So this week... I'm doing a five-day immersion workshop to help lift you out of whatever is holding you back and give you tools and clarity and a breakthrough so you can show up more in the world the way that you really desire to. There's no reason in this time in history why you should have to work for someone else and build someone else's dreams. There's no reason you can't find more purpose by serving the world, living life on your terms in alignment with you. You can join me starting today for five days of live coaching. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link in my Instagram bio. It all starts today at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you join us and you click the link to sign up, we will send you the replay if you can't make it there live. Tell a friend about it. It's free. I'll be showing up. I am so excited because I insist that every single person that I have the ability to to touch, that you should know that we need you. We should know that it does matter. And I wish I could get everybody out of that imposter syndrome. And so I am so excited about our guest today because he is such a jewel. He is such a gem. He is one of those people that is a lighthouse that helps other people find their way home. Today we have the one and only Seth Godin. He is back. He is amazing. He is somebody who I look up to so much. If you listen to the show, you probably already know who he is because I quote him in almost every episode. And he was on the podcast in 2018. If you haven't heard that one yet, you can go listen to that after you hear this one. But if for some reason you don't know who Seth Godin is, he's an international bestselling author. He's written 19 books Purple Cow, Linchpin, The Dip, and so many more. He's also the host of the amazing podcast Akimbo, which is all about our culture and about how we can change it, how we can see something and choose to do something about it. You definitely want to check him out. His blog has over a million readers. And in fact, if you just type in the word Seth into Google, his blog will be your first result. He is on that level. Seth is a speaker. He's an entrepreneur. He's a mentor, and he's one of the most gifted wise souls i've ever met and he happens to be one of the truly kind souls that is making a mark in this world i'm not going to keep you waiting any longer so without further ado it is a great honor that we welcome back the one and only seth godin ladies and gentlemen you know once in a while a person comes along who's such a good person that who they are is intimidating to me it's just you seth So Seth Godin is here a second time and it is such a gift that you made this time in your life to come back here for this. So thank you for being here.
1: Well, I did a blog post a year ago called instant. Yes. And there are certain times when someone asks you something and you don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it. You are amazing. And I love talking to you.
0: Oh my God. I can't even believe it. All right. Now Seth is famous for giving people, not just, The motivation, but really clear insight into how to start to build your life, right? On your terms. So let's talk about freelancing first. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about what some of the tenants are that actually make it possible for you to create a thriving business where you're not working for someone else.
1: Right. So, first of all, freelancer is not a badge of shame. I am a freelancer on a good day. Freelancing simply means that you do the work yourself. You are not building an institution bigger than you, right? Tim Cook does not program iPhones for a living. He hires people. Every single job that can be done at Apple should be done by someone who isn't named Tim Cook. And the same thing is true at Amazon. same thing is true at little companies, plumbing supply stores, et cetera. That's not you. You're a freelancer. Now, if you want to be a freelancer, you are your own boss. And the problem is you have a lousy boss. Your boss treats you poorly. (laughs) Your boss doesn't plan ahead. Your boss gives you negative feedback. You have a lousy boss. The second thing is this. You cannot become more successful by working more hours because there are no more hours to work. Therefore, the only way to do better as a freelancer is to get better clients. And the way you get better clients is, A, get rid of the bad clients, and B, do work that better clients want. Mm -hmm. What makes someone a good client? They demand better work from you. They brag about you. They pay on time. They push to some edge where you will feel stretched. Those are good clients. Bad clients are jerks, don't understand deadlines, and don't pay a lot. So if you have people like that, you partly deserve it because you took easy clients and because you're doing easy work and they're just looking for somebody. And if your motto is you can pick anyone and I'm anyone, then you're not in a good place. Yeah.
0: And one of the things that you talk about in your freelancers workshop is about committing to the clients that you want to work with without compromising. Now, a lot of people, they second guess themselves and they don't even know how to identify who it is that they want to work with. They don't even know that that's a possibility that they get some say in that. Can you explain what that means?
1: Okay. So what's interesting, talent and skill. Every once in a while, there is a craft or profession that requires talent but not very many of them. Mostly they require skill. Talent is what you're born with. Skill is what you learn. If there is a freelancer in your industry who has the kind of clients you want, is it just because they got lucky or is it because they have skills you don't have? If they have skills you don't have, go get those skills and model your behavior because you will not be a pioneer. You do not need to be the very first person who did I don't know, merge chocolate and Reiki to come up with this new way to be in the world. No, you're probably in a category that already exists. So in that category, does anyone have good clients? And if the answer is no one has good clients, then you need to be in a new category. Because if no one has good clients, you're not going to get good clients either. Mm -hmm.
0: That's really, really insightful and true. And I think for a lot of people, they're in this place where... They're working a day job. They would love to be able to t- make this leap and now have enough work coming in that they, they work for themselves. But it feels impossible, right? And to stand out when there's already so many other people yep. doing work, it feels like, who am I to even attempt this? This is going to be suicide.
1: Exactly. So what most people do, because we were brainwashed growing up to think we're supposed to have a job, is what they really want is a job without a boss. What they really want is to be able to go to work and do a job, get paid for it, but have the freedom they think comes with being a freelancer. This is not a good path for you. Mm. The right path is what's the smallest viable audience? What's the smallest specialty that could sustain you? How could you be remarkable at that? So uh, here's an example of a freelancer. I used to have like a hundred t-shirts in my closet that I collected from all my projects throughout the years. And one day my wife was like, there's too many t-shirts here. So I said, I'll make a quilt out of it. And if you go online, there are all these people who make cheap quilts out of t-shirts and basically they just put them in a square and they sew them up and you end up with a giant t-shirt. But there's one or two people that handcraft beautiful quilts out of t-shirts. Now it costs four times as much. It looks like it costs 10 times as much. It's gorgeous, four times as much. Is this handmade quilt maker gonna get big market share? No, but she might get someone like me who wants a good quilt, not a cheap quilt. So if you can say, that's my niche, I am going to be the world's best maker of quilts out of t-shirts for this kind of person who does this kind of work, that's totally doable. But what it means is it's gonna be a lot of lonely days, a lot of days when there's gonna be pressure on you to lower your standards. But if you can model it and someone has come before you, you can figure out how to be remarkable. The one that people will talk about, the extreme one who doesn't want everybody as a client, they just want someone as a client.
0: Yeah. Now, what's interesting to me is that for the first two years of doing this show, we had the conversation around how you can build this business. And finally, I start asking my audience more and more questions. And I realize they're not even ready to build the business. They don't know what the heck they were made to do. How do you help people figure out? How do we answer that question? Like, what am I supposed to do? How do I know when it's my thing?
1: Okay, so I'm breathing deeply so I don't hyperventilate. Because this is the way you answer the question is refusing the question. The question is bogus. The question is a trap. This is not what I was meant to do. This is not what I was born to do. If I was meant to do anything, it's to teach style canoeing in northern Canada to 12-year-olds. That is what I was born to do. But I can't do that. So I looked around and I said, oh, the software industry, I can do that. And I did it for a few years, but then the software industry changed. And then I said, What industry wants my idea? blah, 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 and blah blah, 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 blah. And now it's 40 years later, right? But we make up after the fact that this is what I was born to do. That's crazy because this thing I do didn't even exist 20 years ago. So it's not like I was born to it. It's not my thing. It's just what I picked. So I refuse the question. Instead, it's how can I be of use? how can I find a way where my energy is reflected back to me to sustain me to do it again? And that's enough. And stop hiding behind. I'm not in the right emotional moment to do this thing. No, you're hiding that Pressfield's resistance is real. And one way we get trapped by it is by talking about authenticity, which is made up. There's no such thing. And by talking about that, it's not our calling. Well, what a coincidence that so many people have decided their calling is to be an Instagram influencer, right? No, it's just that you find it fun and an easy place to hide. It's not really your calling. So if you want to make a difference and you want to get paid for it, go do something unpleasant that actually helps other people. That could be your calling.
0: It's so good. And what comes up that I see a lot is people are so afraid of being invisible, like something won't be seen. I got to get seen. Whatever it is inside of me, it's got to be in the world. And I meet so many artists that would have such a hard time really swallowing what you just said, because there's this feeling of like, well, if I just do something useful, I'm selling out and then I'm not there and I'm not seen and I'm not who I'm supposed to be. And I'm just doing something for someone else. And it's like, oh my God, how do you respond to that?
1: Well, there's a great quote. It's not Coco Chanel, but it's someone like Coco Chanel Uh, I'm busy selling out, but no one's buying. Most of the people who are upset about selling out wish they could sell out, but no one's buying. Selling out simply means that there's somebody out there who values what you have offered to do for them enough to pay you fairly. And if you're not proud of the work, don't do it. But what it means to be proud of the work is you set out to make a change and you did. And I think it's possible to be proud of your work as an exterminator, going to someone's house and making it more livable. That doesn't mean you sold out. It means you've done something of utility. And I'm busy working on a new project and I've talked to some really renowned, beloved artists, Grammy award winners, people you have and haven't heard of. And they're really in two camps. They're the ones who are mystics, who are afraid that if they talk about what they do, it will go away. And then there are the actual artists who understand it's a craft and you show up and you do your craft enough times without compromise in certain directions. And then we call you an artist. And I think you can definitely find a way to do your work for someone as long as you can get out of the mindset of it has to be for everyone. Yeah.
0: It's so brilliant what you're saying right now. And you guys, you're going to have to listen to this episode and then re-listen to it because this is really, this is like getting answers directly from heaven. I mean, seriously, because the amount of agony that people put themselves through because they haven't found their quote unquote purpose, it is exhausting and the suffering is so unnecessary. And what Seth just said is find a way to be of use. And by the way, before we started the podcast, I said, what do you want to promote? What do you want to talk about? He said, I want to be of use. So how do you need me today? And that is literally your legacy. That is what you do every single moment that you are here. So if that's really the question we're trying to answer, how can we figure out how we can be of use? What are some of the exercises or tools that we can say this is a thing that I can actually do and I can serve the world in this way.
1: First you're so generous. But I was with you the entire rant except the seventh to last word, which okay. is the word world. You cannot serve the world. Right. What you need is the smallest viable audience, the smallest group of people who can sustain you. Who out there? If you perform something heroically brave where you got right down to what would it mean to stick with a promise until you could keep it would benefit and the list is super long right so george nakashima said i'm going to make furniture i'm going to make it with a live edge i'm going to make furniture in a way that people haven't seen before and almost no one bought it but the thousand people who did changed the way an entire group thought about furniture, right? Now, the magic of what George did, this was 80 years ago or whatever, is it was okay with him if it was only four people. It was okay with him if it was only 12 people. But there had to be at least one person who would look at what he was creating and say, give me more of that. And the opposite method is, how do I fit in all the way? How do I fit in so much that no high school kid at the lunch table will make fun of me? How do I fit in so there isn't one criticism of what I just did? Because if I fit in all the way, then they'll like me. No. If you fit in all the way, then we'll ignore you. And those are different things.
0: Such a good point. And I feel like every day I have somebody asking me at least 20 times a day, how do I have a bigger audience? How do I grow my audience? I need more followers. I need more people. And unless I have 250,000 followers on Instagram, that's just going to get me in the door. And you're saying that's bogus. That's a waste
1: of your time. Yeah, You're not going to win that. You're not even going to come close to winning that. And years ago, there was this woman I knew and she seemed sad. And I said, what's up? She said, I'm about to go negative. I said, what does that mean? She said, well, I made a rule. I can't follow more people on Instagram than follow Uh me. And there are people I want to follow. And I knew her birthday was a few days in the future. So I spent $49 and I bought her 10,000 Instagram followers. So she's sitting, she, she's sitting at home and apparently when you get an Instagram follow, if your settings are right, you get a ding. And she's sitting at home and her birthday, ding, 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 ding 10,000 times. So if you can buy 10,000 Instagram followers for $149 or whatever I spent, well, then what are they worth exactly? What you really want are people who choose to talk about what you do to a very small circle. It's interesting when you think about Alcoholics Anonymous, everyone's heard of them, but they're anonymous. They have no ad budget. They have no headquarters. How did they pull that off? They pulled it off because the first rule of Alcoholics Anonymous is you tell everybody about Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, what could you build? What could you make? What service or product that the best way to use it is to tell other people about it? Because that act is possible and you don't need Instagram's help.
0: It's so good. And what then comes up for everybody, and you have uh, I've actually reposted some of your posts on this because it's one of the kindest thing that you'd give is you help people through feelings of imposter syndrome. And what do you say when someone's like, all right, so maybe I can make a material difference in someone's life because I'm pretty good at this or you know, people have told me that I've helped them with that, but I, I just feel so stupid posting about it. I, I'm not necessarily the best at it. So how do you help people through that feeling of imposter syndrome?
1: Well, of course you're an imposter. I'm an imposter every day. day. If I'm doing good work, I, my good work is to announce something that hasn't quite happened yet, to open the door to possibility, to assert that something is going to happen. That is what we do. Well, You're not sure. How could you be? It hasn't happened yet. So what it means to lead is to be an imposter and that's okay. It's a signal that you're not a psychopath. It's a signal that you are aware that you are announcing a future in advance. And so what we have to do is distinguish between being a fraud and being an imposter, Because if you're a fraud like Bernie Madoff, you're doing it on purpose. You're manipulating people, tricking them and stealing from them. But an imposter, that's just today. But tomorrow, for a lot of people, your generous assertion will prove to be true. And so you've done something positive. If you go in for surgery, I don't think you want the doctor to say, you're gonna die. You want the doctor to say, we got this. It's all gonna be fine. Well that doctor is being an imposter in that moment and that's okay because they went to medical school they know what to do they're going to do their very best and they will be consistent and professional at it which is open to all of us.
0: Yeah. I mean I just love how you started the answer which is yeah of course you're an imposter. It's like let go of the shame in that and I love how you said when you posted about it and you kind of inferred it now, but you're going to win because you're generous is what you always say. It's not because you're, you know, the absolute authority. No, but you're generous and you're willing to have the courage to step into that. I think for a lot of people, when they're thinking about how to build this and you said before, you don't need to even try to be in the game of pleasing everybody. That's a silly game and that's not a a game to play. You can have a small group of people in the world who want to talk about what you're doing I don't think that people have a sense, first of all, that that's really possible. They're like, there's no way I'm going to make a sustainable amount of money if I have 1,200 people who know who I am. And is that something that you've seen? Have you seen people who go through your seminars, who have a small audience, and who make a sustainable living from that?
1: Almost every single person I know who's successful does that. Uh, Kevin Kelly calls them 1,000 true fans. A true fan is different than someone who is tolerating you. And a true fan is someone who's different than, than someone who just follows you on Facebook. A true fan says, I got a hundred dollars to spend on you every year. What do you got for me? I'll come to your conference. I will come to your concert. I will back your Kickstarter hundred bucks. Well, a thousand times a hundred is a hundred thousand dollars. If you can't live on a hundred thousand dollars when you make a service, then what's wrong exactly. So when I think about, you know, authors that we respect, Doug Rushkoff, Dan Pink, uh, even Liz Gilbert after Eat, Pray, Love. These people don't have millions of folks who are standing in line. They have thousands of folks yeah. who are saying, I'm in, right? The Grateful Dead was the number one touring band in America more than 10 years. The Grateful Dead took in more than $500 million in ticket sales. And almost no one you know went to a Grateful Dead concert. But the people who did go went to 200 of them. So what's really going on is you got seduced by the Carol Burnett CBS model of, I need a lot of people who care a little because it lets you off the hook. What you really want to be is on the hook to say, there are 1000 people who so admire what I do. I got to do it even better next time, or I will let them down. And if you can't name a thousand of these people or a hundred of these people or 50 of these people, then you're hiding. You got to know who they are by name to say, This person, I know that if I go to Pasadena, I can sleep on the floor of her apartment. Yeah.
0: In fact, I quote this line from you more than anything that's been said on the show, which is that if you want to be successful, it comes down to radical empathy. That's it. So when people are thinking about this and you're, you're really synonymous with being an expert at marketing and being an expert at empathy and understanding humans, when people think about that, they get very overwhelmed because they think, I don't know what, to, what tool to use. Should I start a podcast? Should I post on Instagram? Where do I go? What do you think if you had to give people you know, a place in the pie chart to focus most of the energy, where should they be focusing that?
1: Okay. So I am as far from an expert on empathy as someone can be, but I am (laughs) a practitioner of it. Meaning that you've, you've heard the term Sonder that everyone is walking around with a noise in their head. Like you have a noise in your head. And as soon as you realize that you realize that your own stuff is your stuff and that other people have their stuff and no one's stuff is true. It's just their stuff. And If you can go into it knowing that you don't know what they know, you don't want what they want, you don't believe what they believe, and that's okay, then you have a chance to make a bridge. But the thing is, as far as I can tell, you don't have anybody listening to this who only speaks Dutch. Because it's not for people who only speak Dutch. It's in English. You picked. And among the people who speak English, you have a ton of people who have one way of viewing the world and almost nobody who's a full-time coal miner because full-time coal miners generally have a different way of looking at the world than you and I are talking about. Not all of them, but most. So we begin with what's my smallest viable audience? Who am I seeking to serve? They better have something in common because if they don't have something in common, I can't serve them. And then I say, well, this group that has something in common, Do they want me to make a podcast or would they rather have me narrating their life over here? Are they the kind of people that want to come to my live event that only takes place in Shaker Heights, Ohio or right? And on and on and on. That's how you decide what your medium is. And then the second half of it, which is super important is can that medium sustain you? So I'm not on Twitter, even though a lot of people I serve would like me to be on Twitter because if I was on Twitter, I would be destroyed. I would hate it. I would make my life very unhappy and I couldn't do my work. So there are only two choices, Seth Godin on Twitter, unable to do his work or Seth Godin not on Twitter. So I had to pick the second one.
0: I love how you just keep going back to smallest viable group of human beings. And what do they need from you? I think that a lot of times people build businesses backwards because they go off in their cave and they just come up with an app or they come up with t-shirts or cupcakes and what i learned from you is don't do that you're making it super hard harder than it needs to be go to the person and just take the order what do you need what do you want
1: right yes but let me alter the a little bit and part of what we were getting at in the marketing Mm -hmm. seminar if you say to someone what do you need and what do you want they will either lie to you or give you a bad answer. You don't know. But if you okay. watch what people do, that's different. Because watching what they do teaches you an enormous amount about what they really want. And, you know, I could give you 10,000 examples, not Give you? us
0: one example. One like example. if you want to open a successful bakery, right. your wife so has a successful bakery,
1: right? My wife has uh, the most successful gluten-free bakery in America. Amazing. And she built it all by herself. She has four retail outlets and 80 Whole Foods. So what do we know? We know that given the choice, most people in the suburbs or the city buy their baked goods at a supermarket because indifferent baked goods aren't worth traveling for, nor are they worth paying extra for. So what we also know is that lots of people want to take control over what they eat because the narrative among upper middle class privileged people is this is in a world that sometimes feels out of control, a way for me to spend money to gain control. So 10 years ago, my wife saw that when people were in the supermarket, they were buying more and more stuff that was gluten-free. But the gluten-free part of the supermarket that sold baked goods had nothing. She also saw that there were people who were trying to avoid dairy. There were people who were trying to keep kosher. And we live in this little town for which you cannot get from the east or the west. So if she was going to open a little bakery, she needed something that people would travel for. She knew how to use butter and stuff to make baked goods. It's not very hard to do. She said, what's the most difficult thing I could do? Oh, I could make bespoke, handmade, gluten-free, dairy-free, and kosher baked goods that were worth traveling for. And I don't need a lot of people to travel because it's just one little bakery. And then you double down and you double down. And so two months into it, someone comes and says, I need a wedding cake and it's okay if it has wheat in it. In fact, it has to have wheat because my mother-in-law wants it to be the regular kind of cake. And that's the moment of truth. Because in that moment, when you're struggling, you say, do I really want to turn down a $1,000 cake? All right, I'll figure out how to make the $1,000 cake at home. Or do you say, here's a phone number of a bakery a mile from here. They'd be happy to make this cake for you. And if you do that, now you stand for something. Hmm. Now you're off to the races because eight years later, you've got people coming to you buying thousand dollar wedding cakes that are gluten-free because you stuck to what you stand for.
0: This is such a good conversation, but we have to take a quick break and thank our sponsors I know a lot of you guys listening sell your stuff online, whether it's your handmade scarves or watercolor prints, and chances are you're still recovering from that crazy holiday shopping season. Well, I have a way to help you make 2020 a lot less crazy and a lot more successful. It's called ShipStation. ShipStation makes managing and shipping out orders a breeze. You can import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier with their discounted rates, Basically, you'll spend less time on shipping and more time growing your business. I know it can be overwhelming when you're selling on different sites like Amazon, Etsy, your own website, but ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making it really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. ShipStation even offers big discounts on shipping rates, so you'll always know that you're getting the best deal. Get this year off to a great start at ShipStation.com. Use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial that's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. My friend Jenny, by the way, who sells her vegan corned beef who just was on Shark Tank and made her deal with Mark Cuban, they use ShipStation and she loves it. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in dream job. That's shipstation.com. Enter offer code dream job, ship station, make ship happen. You know, having done over 200 episodes of this show, I've realized that all these successful people will do it scared and step outside their comfort zone to learn something new. If you want to make 2020 a year where you explore new skills, deepen existing passions and get lost in creativity, then check out Skillshare's online classes or what you find just might surprise and inspire you. Skillshare is an online learning community where millions come together to forge ahead in their creative journey. There's thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics, including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and more. You get real projects to create, the support of fellow creatives, and a membership with meaning. I love that these classes are designed for real life and busy routines so you can move your creative journey forward without putting your life on hold. It's also really affordable and an annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Some of my my favorite Skillshare classes are on the ones that they have in productivity. There's also watercolor painting. They also have one called Styling Your Space, bringing creativity to interior design, which sounds super cool. I love looking at the different ways we can decorate and rearrange the stuff in our house to make it feel more fun and expansive. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash dreamjob2 and get two free months of premium membership. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free Get started today by heading to Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. That's the number two. That's Skillshare.com slash DreamJob2. You referenced it before, and I wanted to talk about it. The marketing seminar is so successful. I want to talk about it a little bit because there's so many incredible lessons and takeaways. When I talk to my audience, people can't stand the word marketing it makes them feel gross. They feel icky. And they're like, I'm a good person, Kath. That's why I listen to you. I'm I'm a big hearted person. I want purpose. I can't do marketing. So the first thing I want to do is I want to hear you define what marketing means to you.
1: Yeah. It's a really simple sentence (laughs) work that matters for people who care. And for the people who don't care, don't do it. If it's not work that matters, don't do it. Marketing is when we tell a story, when we build a product, when we price something, when we build something that people will choose to cross the street for. No hype, no hustle, no advertising, that's not marketing, those are other things. But real marketing is when there's a match between what we build and what the market will embrace. And everything in your life, the sweater you were wearing, the thing you ate for breakfast, the nonprofit you donated to, all of those things happen because you liked the marketing not because you're some sort of rational Spock-like robot that analyzed every possible option and picked something.
0: I wish I had a big highlighter and could just circle it because what you just said is not what most people think marketing is, which is why they don't do it well, which is why they hate doing it. Because most people think marketing is trying to sell something to someone Who doesn't know the thing and you have to convince them you have to pitch them and you just feel like I just don't want to do it It's exhausting and if that's what I have to do I'm, not going to be in business for myself because that feels like i'm gonna be a charlatan. Yep So help us understand How do we effectively then break that down and figure out how to make things for the people who need them and make it in such a way that they Talk about it
1: Well, I can tell you the answer, and I will, but it's not going to help. And the reason it's not going to help is people are going to hesitate to do it because it puts you on the hook. And it's much easier to do what you've been doing, which is to be off the hook, to make average stuff for average people. The alternative is to do something we would miss if it were gone. But if that's what you're doing, then you're really on the hook. That if you didn't show up and make your podcast next week, people would miss it. So now you've incurred an obligation by showing up and doing something. If you believe that the way to grow is by having other people talk about what you do, you need to make something worth talking about. But something worth talking about is also something worth criticizing. If you're not willing to do that, then no one's going to talk about it. So I have been called clueless by authors in their own books. I've been called every name you want to say because I do things in a way that other people said isn't the way you're supposed to do it, but some people want me to do it that way. Some people want it delivered in that form, and they choose to talk about it. So the work is, you know, I, I dedicated the book Purple Cow to my late friend Lionel Poulain, who uh, his daughter Apollonia now runs the bakery in Paris. It is one of the most important bakeries in the world. Uh, it does really well. They don't sell baguettes. They have never sold baguettes. Can you imagine opening a bakery in Paris, France that doesn't sell baguettes? That should be against the law. Right. And yet that was one of the secrets to his success is I'm going to define myself by what I don't do. I'm going to define myself by what I also do. And it's not for everyone. You don't like the fact that the bread costs $14. Fine. There's a bakery down the street. I don't mind. Go over there.
0: It's so true. And I think it comes down to people don't have that confidence. They are afraid. So they'd rather look at what everyone else is making and make the baguettes than take a stand and turn down the gluten-free wedding cake. It's really, really terrifying. And most people spend their life then building someone else's dream because someone else takes the risk. When you've worked with students, because you've worked with so many people, What is it that you see that allows a person to just go ahead and finally take the risk?
1: So the thing that would make my life much easier is if I could just say that there's an external muse that reaches down its noodly appendage and touches you and then you get it, right? And there are definitely creatives in my world who believe that. They believe that they have been touched and that they have to share this thing. I think that's about as, true as astrology. It doesn't make any sense to me. I just think that that's a narrative that is helping them get through the bumpy parts. But the productive professionals I know show up and they chop wood and they carry water. And they don't have to chop a lot of wood and they don't have to carry a lot of water to get started. You just do this thing. So when people say, I have writer's block, I say, well, can you type? Yes. Well, then, bring me your bad writing. Show me your bad writing. Mm. And they say, I don't have any bad writing. Well, that's why you have writer's block. That if you can come up with enough bad writing, some good writing is going to slip through. And then you will have good writing. But no one has typing block. What you have is the self-censorship because you have fallen in love with the result, not the process. And my obsession, the thing I'm working on the most right now is helping people see the difference between the results and the process. So let me ask you a question. When you started this magical podcast, how many listeners did you have? Zero. Exactly. Same as me. What a coincidence. In fact, every podcast starts with zero listeners. So if we had been focused on the result, we never would have made episode two, because episode one was a failure. And yet you make another episode, because... It's not that we are successful podcasters. It's that we are podcasters. And if we are podcasters long enough, the odds of us being successful increase.
0: I mean, what you just said is, is, is everything. It really is everything. I love that. You know, show me your bad writing. And if you have enough bad, you know, the good stuff is going to slip in, It just is. When you started your blog, which by the way, you guys, if you just type Seth into Google, that's him. That's how many people read this blog. And it's so good. How long did it take you till you had a critical mass of people reading your blog?
1: Well, I think it took 50 or 100 posts before I wrote a post that I thought was good. But I never tracked the number of people who were reading my blog. And I still don't know. Because if I started tracking it, I would start doing things to make the number go up. Because I know how to make the number go up, right? Headlines like, 10 surprising ways you can do blank really work. And it's funny, eight years ago, I wrote a parody post called How to Get Traffic to Your Blog, and I listed 50 things, 40 of which contradicted each other, right? Like rule number seven, make a lot of lists. Rule number nine, never have a list. And I still get email about it. I'm still amazed years and years later, people thought I was being serious because that's what they're used to, is people manipulating their mission to get (laughs) more attention, instead of focusing on the mission. And then if attention comes, it comes.
0: It's so good. And you've been doing so much. You've been so generously carrying water and chopping wood. I mean, you just show up and do the work. It doesn't matter how much bigger your audience has grown. You just keep doing the things that you do. When you listen to a lot of people today, they'll say, you got to be in this, the making space. You got to make content. That's what ultimately is going to change everything. And you have a podcast. You had another one before and you have this blog and you show up on Instagram. I mean, you're making everywhere, plus you're writing books. Where would you say if someone has to choose a medium? First of all, do you think it's true that we have to be making content? And if we do, like, which one gives you the, the best return on that investment?
1: Okay, so there's a long chain that you are glossing over and we should dissect it for a minute, which is the theory is I want to make a living doing something. In order to do that, I need to be trusted. In order to do that, I need awareness. In order to get awareness, I need to be seen. In order to be seen, I need to make content. That is a lot of tails wagging a lot of dogs because there's a million people who have that strategy and if you do the math, there isn't enough attention to go around what is actually the case is the following. I want to make a living. So in order to do that, I need to create tension. The tension of, if you don't pay me for something, you will feel left out. If you don't pay me for something, you will be left behind. If you don't pay me for something, your boss will get you in trouble. In order for me to create tension, I need to be trusted by some people who will not simply walk away when I create tension. What do I mean by tension? Well, Bruce Springsteen is performing in Tucson one night only. Tickets go on sale at 8 a.m. Are you going to go try to get a ticket? Will you feel badly if the tickets are sold out? Tension was created in that moment. You are all fighting with each other to send money to Bruce Springsteen. That's marketing. Notice he's not hustling. He's not hyping. He says, I got a limited number of tickets. Who wants one, right? Tension is created. Does Bruce need to have a Billboard Top 10 hit? To create that tension? No, he does not. He just needs a sufficient amount of trust from a sufficient number of people that the tension he creates earns him a living. So it's not, how do I create content? It's, can my content be of service so that as a business person, I can create enough awareness and trust that I've earned the right to create tension for that thing I sell? That's different from the hobby, which is a good thing to have, of sharing content for free. Sharing content for free is a fine hobby because it's a good way to contribute to the culture. But just don't try to make any money at it, please.
0: That is so good. And you're right, that's such a great example is like Bruce Springsteen. He's like, I'm not hyping anything. I just have a limited amount of tickets if you want it. Take one. But again, there's a scarcity there and there's a tension there and that's such a, I'm like picturing you at like eight years old, like sitting at the dinner table, just coming in with these thoughts. They're like, who is this kid? Was it, this was you, right? Like I can see this kid.
1: First of all, I had an Afro that was this big. No,
0: you didn't.
1: And my sisters have both sent me notes saying, we've heard you describing your childhood and it didn't sound like the house we grew up in. So I'm an unreliable witness. But yes, it is true that I often came in hot and fast with, interesting ideas and it is also true that I wasn't allowed to sit at the kitchen table at the seat that faced the backsliding door because I would make faces at myself in the reflection
3: yes
0: you would because you're one of those people who I feel like whatever you're doing you are having fun or else you wouldn't do it like you're at the end of the day it's like yes you're of use we know that we started there but I feel like what Seth does is he's like, look, if it's not going to be fun and enjoyable, what am I here? What am I doing this for? Right? And then that gives people this permission around you like, oh, maybe I could be this excited and interested in the thing that I'm choosing to do. Um, We were talking about this idea of like creating content. And I feel like when people are thinking about creating trust with people, I don't think that people really feel like it's hard to ask for the sale. Even if you've grown the trust, it's really scary then to be like, okay, now I have an offer to make. And how do we get people over that hump?
1: Yeah. No, the emotion is real. The question is, if you had a job as a lifeguard and someone was drowning, would you rescue them? What if you don't have proof that you're the best lifeguard in the world? What if you don't have proof you're even a great lifeguard? you'd probably still rescue them. So wow. if the thing you make is truly worth more than it costs, you're honestly believing that, not just telling yourself that, then you are doing a service.
0: I mean, it's so powerful. That is so clear. I think that inherently people struggle with feeling valuable and yeah. Money is value being exchanged for value. And when we don't really believe that we do have something of value, that's really where everything falls apart.
1: Yeah. So, how ha- I, I, I really encourage people from a very young age to go into retail, to sell stuff door to door. I train Girl Scouts on how to sell cookies <laughs> because if you just show up and say, You want a cookie, you're not actually involved in the process of helping that person explore their need for a cookie. But if at the age of eight, where all the feedback you've gotten your whole life is that either you did well on a test or that you're cute, to be able to engage with an adult, look them in the eye and describe a scenario where them trading money for a cookie makes them happier than keeping the money, that's magical. And I think that that creates a cycle of the culture getting better because people are trying to serve each other.
0: So true. So let's say you're working on this thing and you're not yet sure. You don't yet know if the thing you have is valuable. How do you test
1: that? Go make a sale and make another sale and then make another sale. And either your selling method isn't very good or your product isn't very good. And it's really worth listening to the rejections. Not to the first rejection, not to the 10th rejection but if the rejections have a pattern then you're probably delusional and it doesn't make sense if your goal is to be of service to insist that the world agree with you when i was in the book business i got 800 rejection letters in a row
3: oh my in god the first
1: year and the only reason i didn't give up is they were all different everyone had a different reason to reject me and then i did a book with a guy named john boswell who did oj's legal pad in french for cats And John taught me a lesson I will never forget. He looked at the proposal that I wanted to send out. It was beautifully typeset on a Mac. I was paying a dollar a page down the corner at the laser printing store. And it had a spreadsheet attached with it. It was clearly written by an MBA. And he ripped it up. And he said, do this. And he calls his secretary. And she wheels out this manual typewriter and types the thing up on a manual typewriter. And then he says, do not wear a suit to this meeting. You're an author. You're not a business person. And we go to the meeting. The very first people we met with bought it on the spot. Because they go to work to buy books from authors. They don't go to work to build a profitable business. That's why they went into publishing. And I was busy insisting that I was right, that I could prove that I could make them money. And John was showing up saying, I'm an author. You want to do something interesting? And they're like, yeah, sign me up. That's what I want. So good.
0: I want to say before we hop off, your podcast is so, it's like listening to a symphony. It's like music. Oh, come on. It is. Are you having fun making it? Because you keep making it. So obviously you're enjoying
3: this.
1: I do enjoy making it. I enjoy making it because you get to go way deeper than you can in a blog post, but you don't have to make the investment you make in a book. And so it's this nice in-between for me but I got to tell you, truthfully, talking to you for an hour is more fun than making my podcast. <laughs>
0: um, I don't even know what to say. Um, but Akimbo, you guys should go listen to it. You will love it. It's like every one is a documentary and it's so good. What's the reason you make it? Because you're making so many things, right? What do you want people to leave Akimbo with?
1: You know, i having trouble thinking of things I've done to get people to listen to it. Like I wish more people would read my books. I don't spend any time wishing more people would listen to Akimbo. It's just the thing that I could make. And I like listening to it. I think after hearing Roman Mars do a hundred episodes of 99% Invisible, I felt a little bit of an obligation to repay the favor and to add more of that because there are things I like to listen to and like to read and there aren't always enough of them in the world. And this is one that I could add. So I added it.
0: That's so sweet. I love that. Well, it goes back to my theory that you do things because they bring you pleasure. You just said you would love people to read your books, which I mean, everyone's read them, have they not? If they haven't, then you guys got some reading to do. Of the books, what's the one you want everyone to read?
1: There are different books for different people, but we're almost out of a book that I published myself, which you can get at yourturn.link.link. And when they're gone, they're probably gone forever. Okay. And it's illustrated and it's a good way to get started. I illustrated it myself. People might like that book, Your Turn. It's got a picture of Annie Kenney on the cover. So maybe we can wrap up. I'll tell you the story of Annie Kenney. Tell me. So the reason that women can vote is because before there was suffragism in the United States, there was suffragism in the United Kingdom. And this woman named Annie Kenney was 19 years old and she went to a meeting of people from members of parliament from her town. And it turns out Winston Churchill was there. He was only 27. But Winston Churchill wasn't the main attraction. There was this other guy talking. And Annie Kenney stood up and she said, how come women can't vote? And the MP said, sit down, little girl. And then she interrupted him again and asked, when are women going to get the right to vote? And he ordered her to sit down. And she did it a third time and she got arrested. And this woman getting arrested over this issue led to a nationwide sensation that galvanized the suffragism movement in the UK, which eventually came over to the US because one person said, wait a minute, we need to do something about this.
0: And you cared enough about that, that you wrote a book about it.
1: I love that story.
0: I mean, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, And this is the book that he tells you, you know, I guess you could read this book. As we're signing off today, and there's people listening right now, what do you want to say to them so that maybe this year will be different?
1: I think it's about starting where you are. You can't start where you're not. So start where you are, with the smallest viable audience, with the Mm -hmm. smallest unit of contribution that you can make. Find a piece of possibility, and then repeat and repeat, make promises slightly bigger each time, and show up. And just keep showing up. It's going to take a while and it's not easy. You've already tried all the easy routes. So this is the one that's next.
0: So good. And do you want to tell us where to find your Real Skills virtual conference? Or is it something that's already like sold out?
1: It's it probably a but just go to akimbo.com. It's all there. A k i m b o.com.
0: All right. We'll put it all in the show notes. Thank you for being you.
1: Thank you. Can we do this again soon?
0: Oh my God. I don't even, you don't even get what happens when you say things like that. I don't even get it. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Wow. Talking to Seth is like getting five master classes in one sitting. He's such an incredible human being. Okay. So here are the takeaways. Number one, the question is not, what am I born to do? The question is, how can I be of use? Number two, You don't need to serve the world. What you need is the smallest viable audience, the smallest group of people who can sustain you. Number three, we are all imposters. To lead is to be an imposter and that is okay. Number four, you need to be on the hook. That means people admire what you do so much that if you don't do it, they will miss it. Number five, when you stand for something, now you're off to the races. Number six, marketing is work that matters for people who care. It's the match between what we build and what the market will embrace. Number seven, chop wood and carry water. Number eight, if you want to make a living, create tension. And number nine, start where you are. You can't start where you're not. Start with the smallest unit of contribution you can make. Find a piece of possibility, show up, and repeat. Wow. Okay. I want to remind you, you can still join me for my five day free 2020 vision challenge. Go to kathyheller.com slash challenge. We start today, Monday, January 13th. I'll be going live in this Facebook group every single day at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the replays will be sent to every single person who shows up and you will get that replay, which you can watch on YouTube. So you will be given a replay just in case you can't make it inside the Facebook group. And just in case you're not even a Facebook user, if you sign up, we will send you the replay so that you you can catch it and it's uh, it'll be a replay that's, that's for my YouTube links. We've covered all the bases. Thank you so much for listening to this show. It means the world to me that you take time from your very, very busy life to listen. We have so many good episodes coming up. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review because I love to see what you think. And the more reviews we have, the more people find these shows. The very best thing that you can do is share the show. If this show moved you, if this episode made you think in a new way, share it with one person, tell a friend, tell someone in your family, someone you work with, anyone you know who is looking to open their doors to more possibility this year and find ways that they can be of use and make a contribution. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine. I hope to see you in this free challenge that starts today. It'll be going on all week and I'll talk to you Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.